When you think of family, what comes to mind? Or a particular image or particular memories? I'm sure there's lots of things that we think of when that term comes to mind. A couple of things that came to mind for me was me and my brother and my sister sitting at the bench in the kitchen. Mum's probably usually on the other side. And we always had our spots. My brother was always on that side and my sister was always on that side. Um, I'm the youngest. I don't know how I got in the middle, but that was the way that it was. That's where we always sat. I thought as well of the many things that I've kind of learnt and, and taken on from my parents, uh, mum or dad, whether, whether opinions or skills that they taught me or interests that they had, that they shared with me and I now um, enjoy myself. And the other, the last thing that I wanted to mention was that I thought of the evolving relationships within my family. Like as I've grown up, my relationship with my parents has changed. It's not the same as it was when I was six years old. Um, but also even my relationship with my brother and my sister is not the same as it was back then. That's evolved and changed too and even they have now grown up and got spouses and children of their own and their own families. Um, our families change, don't they? There's many things that you might have thought of when you think about family. But to come back to our gospel today, you might have noticed that um, some of it was missing. <laughs> I read the shorter version of the gospel. We have an option today. Um, sometimes happens in the lectionary. The church says you can read all of this or you can just read this bit. And sometimes it's just that Father wants to get out of Mass a bit earlier, so we have the shorter version. Sometimes it's because he only wants to talk about this bit. Um, but I wanted to be very deliberate about using the short version today. Um, and I want to explain why. It's a beautiful scene, the presentation of Jesus in the temple. So after Jesus' birth, when the, the period of purification had happened so that Mary and Joseph were able to go back and worship again, they made this trip up to the temple and then they offer their son to, to the Lord um, so that Jesus would belong wholly to the Lord and they offer their worship there um, as any good Jews would have done. But while they go there, there's this scene with um, Simeon and Anna, these holy men and women who, women who are um, hanging around in the temple, they come and they recognize Jesus as the Messiah, they prophesy over him. It's a beautiful scene, you should read about it and reflect on it one day, but I don't want to reflect about it today, as much as I love it. Because when you have Simeon and Anna in the story, it gives it this kind of heightened spiritual vibe, this kind of exalted, miraculous sort of scene of what's going on. You know, God is revealing profound things to people and allowing them to prophesy and preach in the temple. When you take that out, though, and we just had our short version, which was only literally three verses long, <clears throat> it's a bit more basic. It's a bit more simple. You just have a family, a husband and wife, and their newborn son going up to the temple to offer worship, they do what they need to do and then they travel back home and then they live together and the child grows up. It's just ordinary, everyday family life sort of stuff. And that's what I think this feast is really about. It's about that they just lived that ordinary, everyday family sort of experience that we've all lived in our own different ways. And that holiness actually looks like that ordinary, everyday family relationships that we have and the way that we share time together and share life together, rather than only this kind of exalted, miraculous, hyper-spiritual vibe that we can get. Because, like, we look 
to Jesus to see what holiness looks like, yeah? We want to imitate him. We want to know what he does and listen to what he says. And yeah, we, we pick up the holiness that he's putting forward from the teaching that he gives, absolutely. We see his holiness when he's healing people and doing miracles and things. We see his holiness when he goes to the cross and dies and rises again, yeah. But for, I tr- tried to calculate it, I think it's like 91% of Jesus' life, 30 out of 33 years, he didn't do any of that. For 30 years, he just lived an ordinary family life. And for those years, that was what holiness looked like for him. That was how God was calling him to live. That was how he was called to exist in the world, just to live with his mother and father, to obey them and learn from them, to grow up and care for them, to just engage with the world and share life with them. And while we don't actually have much to go on from the scriptures of what that time looked like, I think we can think about our own family experiences, you know, whether it's our spot at the bench or the things that we've taken on from our parents um, or whatever it is that came to your mind when I asked that question. We can think of that and go, oh, that's probably not that different from what happened in that life at Nazareth that Mary and Joseph and Jesus shared together. And if that's the kind of life they were sharing together, then that means that there's actually holiness that we can get in touch with, that we can practice in those ordinary moments of our days, in the ordinary tasks that we share, the sharing of a meal, the um, obeying of our parents, the learning things from them, the growing up and evolving relationships. So I want to look at a couple of things that we can learn from the Lord about who he is and about how he wants us to live by looking at the family. But first, I just want to mention as well that we may not have all had an ideal family experience when we think of the Holy Family, and it's like, yeah, that's beautiful. There's this nice, perfect picture there. But, um, and even, you know, perhaps you live alone, you don't have those close relationships that you need to kind of rub up against people and learn to love in that way. Or perhaps you look at your family experience and there could be a lot of pain there, or a lot of brokenness. But that doesn't exclude any of us from what God wants to show us. Now, it may be for most of us that he shows us this through the family, but God can teach us these things anywhere. He can teach us them in many different ways. And he can also give us an experience of family in lots of different ways. It doesn't need to be by our literal close relations. We can find those close, intimate relationships, those people that we really share life with in lots of different connections that we have. But the key thing is that this doesn't exclude us just because our experience might not seem as close to that of the Holy Family. But what does our family life teach us about holiness and about how God wants us to live? Three things I want to suggest. First of all, it teaches us about community. It teaches us that life isn't just about us, that there are other people on the world. Did you know that? There are other people to exist with. <laughs> Maybe we first learned that as siblings, going from the baby that just is like, me, 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 I need this and I need that and I want that, to go, oh, I have to share with my brothers and sisters? <laughs> what on earth is that about? Um, but it, there's a profound truth about it because our Christian life is never about a singular relationship, just me and God us just enjoying this little friendship together. It's always about sharing in a broader reality. 
And God reveals himself through the relationships that are around us. God invites us to respond to him with our lives through the relationships that we have around us and that context that we find ourselves in. Community is an essential aspect of life. Um, it's an essential aspect of who we are and how we come to know God as well. And a further step from that is that in the family life, we learn love as well. God shows us what it's like to love. Not just we might just sit in prayer and meditate on some scripture about love and go, oh, that's a wonderful thing. I want to love you, Lord, with all my heart. And then we hear someone making a lot of noise in the next bedroom and we're like, in that kind of close sharing of life together, we realize that we, we have to be patient with people and we have to trust people and we have to forgive people and love becomes something real and active, something that kind of costs a bit of compromise or a bit of sacrifice, um, a bit of hurt here and there as well because we're not perfect at it. But in the family we learn to as well trust in those who love us and that's the third thing that I wanted to say. In the family, we discover the wonderful thing of obedience as well. We come into the world with parents who, a little bit like God, when we're that young, our parents can seem like absolutely everything. They are the ordering principle of the universe. Um, and as we grow up, we, we still try and obey them. We try and listen to what they're saying. We try and trust that they actually understand things better than us that they have a plan for us and they love us. And we grow up and we try and become a bit more independent. But I think we can have in our minds the idea that um, that's only for a time and we need to grow out of that and become able to look after ourselves. We need to become independent. That's probably a value that the world puts forward very strongly. But that's not what Christianity says. We're actually always supposed to be children of our Father in heaven. Yes, we learn to care for ourselves and to become independent to a sense in the world, but ultimately we are supposed to trust ourselves to the loving care of our Father. We are supposed to have that, that receptivity and humility to be shown and guided by Him, to be cared for by Him, able to, the humility to accept that love and not have to do everything for ourselves, the humility to accept that we don't have the perfect plan in our minds and we don't understand everything perfectly, but God does. So we can obey him and trust ourselves to him because he is our father. Something that we learn first and foremost from our parents, maybe in an imperfect way, but it's a profound truth of how we're called to relate with God and to live out our lives. I want to now just offer one kind of simple way of thinking about how we can actually offer to God these ordinary moments that we share in the family life, in our everyday relationships and everyday moments. How can we invite God into that so that we can actually find holiness there? And I want to come back to our gospel because this, this idea of the presentation is something that the church often uses to speak of, of our spiritual life, of how we present our whole life to God. And that's certainly true, but I want to look at this, this short version of the gospel idea again, because in the, in the presentation that happens in the temple, there's something where Mary and Joseph and Jesus have to go from their ordinary everyday circumstance to the holy place where God is, and to do a holy ritual, and 
there's this particular way of, of offering themselves to the Lord and that Jesus is given in his whole self. And that's important. We do that. We do that particularly through baptism. But, you know, we come to church and we worship God in this way. But also then Mary and Joseph and Jesus went back to their lives. And I want to say that there's a, there's a presentation we can make of ourselves even in the everyday, even when we're not in church, or even when it's not our dedicated prayer time, or we don't have a particular ritual or particular words to say, but that we can present ourselves to God in every moment of our day, in every challenge or every relationship. We can present to God these people that we're trying to love, but we maybe don't quite know how to do it, or how we can reach out to them. We can present to God our hopes and our dreams that we're, we're, we don't quite know how to figure that out. We can present to God um, our doubts and our confusions. We can present to God the, the many things that we're grateful for every day, just as we're in that place, in those ordinary moments of life. Because so I think the Holy Spirit, the Holy Family, um, offers to us this practical, really down-to-earth, grounded way of being holy, and it's that we can actually give ourselves to God, we can encounter him, we can draw on his grace, wherever we are, however ordinary or mundane the things are that we're doing. We can present our whole lives to the Lord, not only in pious moments of ritual, in a heightened sort of spiritual way, but in the ordinary moments. When we present to him just those moments, those activities of our, our life, our family life, our work life, our personal life, we just present to him each, each struggle or challenge, each doubt, each triumph, each moment. And as we do so, we're inviting God to come in and make that a place of encounter, make that a place where we're sharing life with him, trusting in him and drawing from his grace. And I think that's what holiness can look like every day. Hello, Father Dan here. If this homily has been helpful, there are a few things I'd love for you to do. Firstly, subscribe to this podcast or share this episode with someone who might find it helpful. And consider also helping us to expand our mission and reach out to more people by donating at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash donate, or you can click on the link in the podcast description. Thanks so much for joining us and have a blessed week.